You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Wow, that was just an absolutely refreshing time of worship. Anybody agree? Absolutely, we give God all thanks. It's interesting how that you, you know, you, it's one of the things anyway that we do, so we're not surprised. I mean, at our leadership, and so the leaders, we pray for Sunday service, we always pray um, Saturday nights, you know, and we also spend time praying in the mornings at 9.30, just in case you want to come early and join us in the room. And we always ask that the Holy Spirit will just take over. You know, we permit God's will. So sometimes we have a grid all drawn up, but God decides, now nah, this is for me. It's an audience of one. And so I will do what I will do. So I want you, if you've come to church burdened, I know that as you have spent time just worshiping and releasing yourself in the presence of your father and presence of your maker, that those burdens have been lifted in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'll go into the word quickly. First of all, I'd like us to very specially appreciate Kemi for sharing her God experience. God bless you, Kemi. Thank you so much for being a blessing to us this morning. We love you. And Kemi's parents are in church this morning. Let's just appreciate them. Thank you so much for coming, Sarah and Ma. God bless you. All right, so um, for the benefit of those joining us for the first time this month, we started a teaching series last week, Sunday, tagged Unashamed. Can we all say it together? Unashamed. 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 Okay, um, it's our missions month, just as Pastor Tolu led us to pray, and also um, Pastor Demilade. It's our missions month, and we are unashamed about the gospel. We are unashamed about the good news. The, the translation of the word gospel means good news. We are not ashamed about it, you know. I'm even wearing the t-shirts. The missions team have t-shirts in case you want to get one. Our anchor scripture for this month is taken from the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. But it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, okay? So we are lauding it this month. You and I can no longer be quiet about our Jesus. Amen? Yes. And I know that we live in a world and we are in a generation where um, over time, some people have made it look very uncool to talk about Jesus, either because of the approaches that have been taken. In fact, some of you very clearly still recollect those attempts where people have tried to speak to you about Jesus. And just thinking about it now, you are recoiling in your mind like there was no way I would have accepted Jesus the way that person came to me. And so you have vowed that you don't want to be that person who goes about and you make people shy away from accepting Jesus instead of drawing or endearing them to him. But I want you to do this. Every time you think about that particular instance, just put yourself in the shoe of the next person you want to speak with. And you remember how you felt when someone tried to speak to you about Jesus in a not very nice manner. You know, I remember at the evening service uh, last Sunday. So for the benefit of those who also don't know, 
We have our evening service called The Exchange. We meet here every evening at 5 p.m. And it's usually an intimate time of sharing. So we, don't, we usually don't do all the very fancy organized church structure. In fact, last Sunday we actually had conversations. And I remember just asking people in the room, why have we stopped being in our generation? Why, have we so, you know, why, why do we shy away from em embracing the mandate of the Great Commission in totality? Why have we shied away? Because the Great Commission is not a suggestion. For those of us who were in church on Sunday and we listened to Pastor Godman speak about this, it is not a suggestion. It is an instruction. It is a commandment to everyone that has signed up to this faith walk, this Christian walk. For as long as you say you belong to Jesus, then you are expected to embrace the Great Commission. You are expected to spread the good news. You're expected to tell others about this Jesus that you have believed. And you know, some people in the room, they were kind enough to share their thoughts with us. And two major or two main reasons stood out. One is that we don't know enough. We feel we don't know enough to be able to talk to others about Jesus. And the second is that we don't even believe. So, you know, a lot of us grew up as Christians. We went to Sunday school. And our gospel, or the version of the gospel we have, is what has been handed down to us by our parents or by our Sunday school teachers. In fact, some of us, all we know about Jesus is what you hear us say on Sunday. We don't read our Bibles. We don't get to know him for ourselves. We don't have encounters with the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't feed. We don't, we don't pray. We don't commune with God. We don't do all the spiritual disciplines that we require to keep an active and a vibrant relationship or love walk. And so when we get to others and we want to talk to them, we find that we don't really know much. And so that sometimes keeps us away from actually stepping out and having a conversation with someone else in a room and chatting them up about what you believe. And I said to them, these are very valid points. So how do we, where do we go from here? How do we address this? Now, the thing to know is this, there are some people that you will not be able, you will not, you probably, let me not say you will not know more than, but there is a possibility that they may know more than you. Because guess what? There are people of the other um, religions who have invested time and have studied different religions. So you that you are coming as God's child, you don't even know enough of the Bible. They have read the Bible cover to cover several times in the search for truth. And then they have questions. And when you're engaging them and they ask you these questions, you feel basbos. You, you fall flat on your face and there's no more room for conversation. Oftentimes we think that it is our responsibility to save them. And so we go in that knowledge expecting that when we have a conversation, they must get saved. Our work is not to save them. Our work is not to save them. That is the exclusive preserve of the Holy Spirit and God. That is their work, to save. Our work is to speak to them, to introduce them to the gospel, to share this good news with them, trusting and believing that God will do his work with the seeds of our words that have been sown. Okay, so we continue today, and you may have seen on social media that today we're, we've tagged this service the Minister, for, Minister of Reconciliation. Can we say that together? I'm a Minister of Reconciliation. I'm a Minister of Reconciliation. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 17 to 20 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So the first thing is that we are beneficiaries of this reconciliatory ministry by reason of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, okay? To, in a bid to bridge an existing divide that came about by reason of sin. When sin came into the world, it separated us from God. But God will go the length and the breadth and sacrifice his dearly loved son to reconcile us back to himself. Now, as beneficiaries of this grace, we have thus received the ministry of reconciliation and it is expected of us as we go further in that reading. It says, verse 19, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then, this is our responsibility. We are ambassadors for Christ. So, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is our message. That is the summary of our message. As though Jesus was here in front of that friend of yours, pleading with that friend. As though Jesus was here in front of that ex of yours, pleading with that ex. As though Jesus was here in front of that boss or that colleague of yours, that business partner, pleading with that person. We, our word of reconciliation is to encourage them to be reconciled to God. How do we do this? How do we do this? It's by carrying the same message. That Jesus loves them. That they matter to God. That he sees them through the lenses of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and not by their sins. Remember what he says in this scripture here, that Christ, God dwelt in Christ and reconciled us to himself by reason of that sacrifice, not imputing our trespasses to us. So if you and I are beneficiaries of this grace, why then are we very uncomfortable or unwilling to share this? You know, I've spoken with people who People like you and I who feel like, well, this is for a certain type of denomination. You know, it's just okay for me to live my life and people will be blessed by what they see. You know, and, and there's this whole gospel that we have, you know, preached at different times, which is not wrong, by the way, but it is not complete. Which is that, oh yes, we Christians are the Bibles that the world reads. Yeah, how many of you have heard people say that? You and I are the Bibles the world reads. People don't read the Bible anymore. They look at the life of a Christian. And we are expected to model Christ-like behavior. And that is how they come to know that is correct. But like I said, it is not complete. Because Jesus will say at two different times, he would give us an assignment to go. The first is that you go into the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. 
Jesus would say very clearly, go. Go into the world. Disciple people. Go into the world. Be my witness. Be my ambassador. Go into the world. See, when, when Jesus would say to his apostles or the disciples that they should tarry in the, in, in, in the upper room, you know, until the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then they will be enabled to become his witnesses. And he would give them various locations from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria until the ends of the earth. They will be his witnesses. Who is a witness? Can we think about it a minute? Who is a witness? And I want someone to just respond to me. Who's a witness? What does a witness do? Speaks. A witness speaks. A witness testifies. A witness gives account of what they have seen, what they have touched, what they've handled, how they've been a part of something. So, we cannot say that we are witnesses and we are not speaking. Yes, our life will speak, but that is just one aspect. Some people have even been convicted by reason of your lifestyle already, but they have not taken action yet because they are awaiting someone who would have a conversation with them. So God has already used your life to minister to someone. He has used your life to strengthen someone, to encourage someone. He has used your testimony, you know, to bless someone. But they haven't taken action yet because they don't know how to. And so they need someone. And I'm reminded of scripture that will say, how can they, you watch that scripture again, how can they hear except someone speaks to them? And how can you speak except you've been sent? We all, you and I, have been called into this ministry of reconciliation. So the way our cabinet ministers in Nigeria own portfolios, Minister of Works and Housing, you know, Minister of Finance, you and I, at least depending when your own political appointment comes through, you and I are ministers of reconciliation. Amen? Anybody excited about their portfolio? Thank you very much. Yes, we all are ministers. Scripture says that um, in John chapter 4, from verses 4 to 10, we see the story of the Samaritan woman and Jesus. Every time I read that scripture, the very first, I mean, the verse 4 there says, but Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. I don't know if you've ever wondered, why did he need to go through Samaria? I mean, the very simple response is, oh, because there was an encounter already prepared. Somebody needed to meet with him. Somebody needed to be blessed by him. Somebody needed to be touched by him. It says, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sika, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey... Sat thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Now, for Bible scholars, you probably know that Samaria is centrally located. It's kind of like in the middle of Judea and Galilee. Jesus' original intended destination is actually Galilee. But for him to, and he was going to depart from Judea, for him to get to Galilee, he needed to go through Samaria. Now, see, the Bible is very economical with words. So when you see certain words, when, as you study the scriptures, it should allow you search for more, you know, go and just drill deep a bit. The word needed there, it is a Jesus 
decided to go through Samaria or Jesus could have gone through Samaria. No, he said Jesus needed to go through Samaria, which means that, or which suggests that there were other options to that journey, right? English people. Aha. There were other options. And in fact, those other options, the Pharisees and the Jews typically embraced those other journey options. So if they were going to go from Judea to Galilee, they did not need to. In fact, they will not go through Samaria, usually. And the reason is very simple. The Samaritans are Jewish people who backslid. That's the summary of it. They did not, they decided to marry other, marry from other tribes. You know, God had instructed the Jews, they weren't to marry from other tribes and all that. They decided to marry from other places, and so they sort of had become the heathen now. And so Jews, Pharisees, Sadducees, they did not want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. And if you read further down in that John 4, you would see where the woman would actually say to Jesus, well, you and I, we don't roll like that. Jesus, why are you having a conversation with me? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. You know, she would, out of disbelief, wonder why a Jew would be having, engaging her in a long conversation. So their matter is very deep, the Jews and the Samaritans. But we see, Scripture says, Jesus needed to go through. And my question for you and I today is this. This Scripture should set us reflecting. Which people groups have we been avoiding? Or who in particular, and I, I, I trust that the Holy Spirit will start to bring pictures up. Who are you in particular? In fact, preparing for this message, I don't know if there's somebody in the room, but the analogy that came to me is the person you are beefing or having an issue with that needs to hear about Jesus sits beside the dispenser in your office. You will leave your floor because you don't want to have anything to do with that person. Go to another floor to go and use the dispenser. That was kind of like the analogy that came to mind. For some people, it is deeper than that. You have sworn never to have anything to do with certain tribes, with certain people groups, maybe because of a heartbreak, maybe because of a hurt, maybe because of a business, you know, you, you were defrauded, business dealing, whatever, or something that you heard happened between your ancestors and their ancestors. Matters that don't even concern you anymore. But there's this ongoing, you know, hatred, and before some, it's even within your family your extended family dynamics. Can Jesus count on you to go through in this season? Can he count on you to go through and find out those people, those people who represent, those situations that represent this Samaritan relationship where the Jews feel like they have no, no, no leanings or no um, relationship with God? They are not worthy. They consider them unworthy and unfit. But Jesus will go through. Scripture says he needed to go through. Because it was time for the Samaritans, especially the people in this town of Sika, to hear the good news. And so he would pass through, have a conversation with one woman, and that woman in turn became a propagator of the good news. She would go to her nation or to her town, and invite everyone to come and hear about Jesus, to come and meet with him. So, also while preparing for this, another, I, 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 when I read my Bible, for those who know me, I visualize a lot. So I, I, read, in, I read the Bible and I, I see images and pictures. There are some of us here, 
and you know in your heart. And we're going to pray for those people. There are certain people that whatever it is they've done to you or done to your parents or done to your parents' parents or done to your friends, if you had the key to heaven, let's assume Jesus came now, the trumpet, trumpet sounded, yeah? And God mistakenly, I know he doesn't make mistakes, but hands you the key. You will lock the door after yourself so that some people will not come in. Aha, somebody already said yes. Mm-hmm. There are some people, and you know, we discussed this interestingly at the, the exchange, the evening service. And it was a very simple question, like, so if you had the cure to COVID, who will you not give? Not who will you give? Because if I say, who will you give? Everybody here will say, oh yeah, I'll give my church members, I'll give my uncles and aunties, I'll give those my nice colleagues. I will not give my boss. I will give, you know, and some people were saying, look, I won't give terrorists, Boko Haram people. I will not give them. Because they're already terrorizing us enough. If we give them the cure, they will live long to continue to terrorize us. So the question is this, guys. Are there people we really think are irredeemable? Are there people that we really believe cannot be saved? Are there people within our circle, our spheres of influence that we think God cannot use us to get to? Perhaps you have such people in mind. Please, may I encourage you that we, and it's one of the things we'll pray about today, that God would allow us see differently. We will see them the way he sees them. If God opens your eyes to see that person the way he's seeing them through the lens of love, your heart will melt with compassion. Some of us have judged people and we have looked down on the possibility of them ever even coming to, to know Jesus. But some of those people will be great ambassadors of Christ, propagators of the gospel. I mean, I imagine that as at the time Paul was persecuting people, in his day and time. Some Jews would have been praying either for his death or praying, you know, whatever. But there was no way. In fact, when he, when he got saved, go and read the scriptures. When he got saved, they did not want to have anything to do with him first for a few years because they could not believe. They could not believe that, you know, they, they just felt it was a ploy, that it was a game. He was trying to come and get at them. But there is no one that cannot be saved. Scripture says in Timothy 2 verse 4, I think it's 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, it's God's desire that all men be saved. And it's interesting because that all men, every time we read it, we assume, when we take it out of context, we assume God means, uh, well, that everyone in the world should be saved. We'll get into that another time because there's a, there's a conversation around election and all that. However, if you read the all men there, it was used in two verses before. Paul would say, pray for all men, for kings and those in authority. And you know, it sort of specifies the all men there. So there are some of our political leaders that we have given up on and we feel like they cannot be saved. In fact, we don't want them to be saved because we want them to, you know, this whole concept of grace. And I'll be honest with you guys. When I got born again, eh? I got born again as a teenager, and I struggled a bit because I grew up in an orthodox background where you, you kind of prayed for your enemy to die. It was okay. 
the enemy that has been terrorizing you and doesn't want you to live in peace. God should, the Yoruba then was washerful, find work for them. And if, they, if you cannot find work for them, just take them, let them go and be with you, you know. But as I began to search the scriptures as a teenager, I'm like, man, yes, so I know in the Old Testament there are certain scriptures there, but what will Jesus do? And you know, when I got born again, I got born again into the what will WWJD movement. What will Jesus do? What will Jesus do? So everything around my life then was what will Jesus do? So I went, what, what will Jesus do? Jesus said to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. Ah, that's a, a tough one. Jesus says, turn the, when they slap you, turn the other cheek. What? While it may not have been literal, the old turn the other cheek thing, yeah? I don't think it's literal. We can go into a conversation on that. <laughs> well, what it is is this. Go back to the bless those who curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you. Now, remember where we are coming from, from the whole turn left cheek or when you slap you turn the other cheek. is an eye for an eye. Do you understand? That's where Jesus was coming from. An eye for an eye. You do me, I do my own back. God no go vex. That was where, he, so he was trying to address that. Your love walk cannot be an eye for an eye. Your love walk cannot be a function of God as they have done due to them. Because you set yourself up as one who is a beneficiary of grace. You are setting yourself up for failure. If God had decided to meet out to you the reward of your own trespasses, you and I will not be standing here today. So, we have been called into this ministry of reconciliation. How do we achieve it? In addition to living lives that emulate and clearly reflect Christ, just as the apostles did, and they were first called Christians in Antioch. Why? Because they saw that they were Christ-like. They spoke like him. They lived like him. They behaved like him. If people are not seeing Jesus in you, it means you are hiding your Jesus, and we only see your Jesus in church. Reminds me of a conversation that my daughter had with me yesterday morning. So we had just finished um, um, Bible study. And then she left and then came back into my room and said, Oh, mommy, I need to have a conversation with you and it's really serious. So I said, well, okay, what's up? And she said, um, she starts to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but, you know, kind of like what we just read this morning. You even read it from your devotional. Amen. And she goes, well, mom, see, I'm not talking about Bible stuff now. I'm talking about real world issues. <laughs> and I was in my heart, of course, my expression, I chested it. But in my heart, I lay, hey, here, you know. So I just said to her, I was like, ah, but wait, you are the one that always tells your friends, you know, that Bible life. And she's eight, so we still say things like Bible life. The Bible life and the life that we live is one and the same. I've seen you have conversations with her. So why is this particular issue one that we need to first remove Bible out of the matter so that we can address it, you know? And I feel like that's how some of us live our lives. We are sort of schizophrenic. We are one personality at work. We are another personality at church. We are another personality in the clubs. We are... We are different personalities. 
And God is saying, you've got to bring it all together. I have to be in the center of it all. Yes. So yes, you are still dealing with, uh, you are going to the clubs and all. Okay, we are working on you. You are working progress. But there is somebody that still needs to hear about your Jesus. And you may feel like you don't know enough. But what has he done for you while you are on the journey to getting to know him more? What has he done for you? Can you share? That's why I love Kemi's testimony this morning, her God experience. Speaking about the faithfulness of God. Here is who I am. This is what God has done for me. I believe he can do the same for you too. Some of us, all we need, people just need to hear our stories. How you got saved. What God has done for you. How he delivered you. How he set you free. Delivered you from addiction. You know, did amazing things for you. Got you your job and stuff. I know that there's the whole conversation around we should not paint God as just somebody who's doling out gifts and all. Yes, but he's faithful. That is who he is. And we mustn't shy away from talking about his faithfulness. Always. So many Christians see Christianity as a means to leverage divine help in their lives. But God wants to leverage our connections. It's hard to imagine or to picture God needing anything from us, right? Because he has it all. But in this matter of the Great Commission, in fact, I was studying the book of Daniel over the weekend. And I got to the part that's in chapter two, is two or three, where the, um, the three Hebrew guys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you know, after they had issued the decree, the king had issued the, the silly decree and all, at the end of the day, the part that I got stuck on wasn't even known because, I mean, you've read the book of Daniel over and over, but the part that just jumped out to me was the, uh, the, the verse where it said, and the king's command was urgent. And the king's command was urgent. See, the great commission is urgent. It is urgent. Some of us in this room, and even listening online, we have stories of people that we know the Holy Spirit at some point impressed in our hearts to have conversations with, but we didn't obey. And they are not here today. They are gone. And it's almost as though you know that they did not make their peace with Jesus before they left. So would you and I heed this call, this urgent call? Would we heed it and get on with the assignment? Put aside our personal inhibitions. Oh, I don't like to talk to people. I just like to be by myself. You know, when I'm in a large gathering, I just want to be quiet. Uh, when I'm on the flight, I just want to sleep. I want to watch a movie. Can we set aside our inhibitions? Or someone is here, you're feeling like, look, I'm, a, I'm dealing with a lot right now. God, I'm not even in that head space. Can you set aside your needs? Can you borrow God your need? I remember just leading prayers in the course of the week and speaking about you know, the encounter of Peter and Jesus, when Jesus would approach Peter, scripture records that G Peter and his guys, they had toiled all night and caught nothing. They had had an unproductive night. They had labored and it was fruitless. At that face, in, in, in that situation, the last thing you want is someone telling you that they need a shoulder to cry on. Is someone telling you that they need to talk to you. They want some, some, some counsel. The last thing you just want to internalize, just separate yourself and just be by yourself and go and count your losses and just sleep it away or whatever or cry if need be. You want to be by yourself. You want to take care of you. But Jesus will show up on the scene and he will say to Peter, 
I need your boat, please. Move me out into the waters because I need to speak to the multitude. There was an urgency and there was a greater assignment. And guess what? Peter responded without the promise of a reward. It wasn't that Jesus did a trade by battle with him. Okay, you know what? If you move me in, I'm going to fix that issue you had. No. But Peter yielded his boat. And in fact, when the master said to him, cast your net, he's like, master, we have done this thing, no? We did it. The way you are saying we should do it is how we did it, but nothing happened. Nevertheless, at your word, we need to set aside our needs and give God something to work with. Okay? So, what does your love walk look like? As we wrap things up, what does your love walk look like? Are people looking at you and are they seeing Jesus in you? Can people see Jesus in you at work? Can people see Jesus within you, in your family? Do they even know that you are saved? From your collection of music, to how you speak, to different things, even how you dress, just different things. Are we still hiding this light? Jesus would say that you cannot light a lamp and put it under a bushel. Your light needs to shine. Please help me tell the person sitting beside you, let your light shine. Let your light shine. That men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, as we wrap it all together, it's important that we know that the measure of success for Christians must transcend beyond material acquisition, career advancement, networks, and connections. As a minister of reconciliation, you've got to give God your network to work with. The spheres of influence you have, those circles that you belong to, your alumni, old boys association, old girls association, your, thank God it's Friday bodies, all those your different connections and groups. You've got to present them to God and ask him, where is my mission field? Who are you sending me to? Your partnerships, who are you sending me to? Some of you have 100,000 followers on Instagram. You have different things on social media. The ends of the earth, the people that always like your posts from Afghanistan, from Iraq, from Uzbekistan, and all those far places. How about you start to serve them with some dose of the word? And let's make the word of Jesus go viral in this season. We've had different challenges. Silhouette challenge and all whatnot. But what are we doing as God's children, as people of light? What are we jumping on? Who are we telling about Jesus? Who are we telling how we got saved? Who are we telling how much he means to us? Who are we telling how faithful he is? And who is that person that there is an urgency to this call for? So that they don't lose their life and spend the rest of it. You mean somebody has lived 20, 25, 30 years, 40 years. And there is an entire in infinitum years to be spent in eternal damnation because you did not open your mouth to speak. I want us to pray. Let's pray. We had said last week that we're going to be spending this entire month praying for people who we want to get saved in our families, our friends. I want you to 
please rise if you have such a one. There is someone in your sphere of influence. There is someone in your circle that you want to present before God this morning. Can you please just rise and let's agree together for the salvation of such a one soul. Jesus would say that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest field. Who is that person that needs to hear about Jesus? You may not necessarily be the laborer that will be sent to that person. But that God in this season, in agreement of spirits and unity of faith, would reach out. Would nudge any sleeping laborer and set them on their assignment. Can we just lift up our voices and begin to call the names of such people? In the name of Jesus, we present these brothers and sisters into your hands, oh God. We present our uncles and aunties. We present our siblings. Dear God, people that are dealing with new ageism, people that are dealing with, you know, the wrong ideologies that the enemy is putting out, people that are, whose eyes have been veiled. This morning, Lord, we lift up their names. We lift them up into your hands. And we pray that the Spirit of God will begin to convict their hearts in Jesus' name. We pray for them that their laborers will find them. They will be, their hearts will be open and receptive to the seeds of your word being sown in this season. That as we speak, if God sends you to speak to them, if you have an opportunity to engage with them, that as we speak, oh God, you will grant utterance. You will grant utterance. These ones will not remain the same again. We snatch them. We retrieve them from the clutches of darkness. We retrieve them from the clutches of Satan. We retrieve them from the oppression of the enemy. And we declare, Lord, that this was a coming into light. They are coming into light. Would you decree and declare over them? Call their names. They are coming into light. In the name of Jesus, they are coming to know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. They are coming to know Jesus. They are coming to know Jesus. These ones will be changed and transformed. Their hearts will be malleable. Their hearts will be tender in the name of Jesus, ready to receive the word, ready to receive the good news of salvation. We pray for these ones that the light that shines above the brightness of the sun will shine upon their hearts, will shine over their lights. That same light that Saul encountered and became poor will shine over their hearts, will shine over their lives, causing a transformation an internal and an eternal transformation. Oh, Father, that you will do a quick work in the hearts of these ones. In the name of Jesus, those who have renounced you, those who have said there is no God because they have been, you, you, they, they've suffered loss, they've suffered whatever negative experience. My Father, we rip aside every veil. We rip every veil by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, and we declare, Lord, that which the enemy has used to veil their eyes. Oh, we decree that their eyes are anointed with salve. As we lift up their names to you. 
In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, do your work of conviction. Holy Spirit, do your work of transformation in their hearts. Let them come to know Jesus. Let them come to know you, O God. Let them come to know you, Marco Sotaya. Begin to orchestrate the happenings of their life. Let them, as they move, as they journey at work, let them hear about Jesus. Ah, when they go to parties, let them hear about Jesus. When they are sitting to be refreshed on the news, on TV, let something minister into their hearts. In the name of Jesus, across the room, I want us to ask for the grace to be bold and courageous, to live lives that testify of the Father's faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, let us pray, each and every one of us, that we live lives that testify of the Father's faithfulness. We live lives that reflect the love of the Father. In the name of Jesus, no longer shall we hide our light. We shall be bold and courageous. In the name of Jesus, boldly declaring our love for our Father. Would someone ask and say, Father, show me my mission field. Open my eyes to see my mission field. Open my eyes to see where you are sending me to. This week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I pray for opportunities to make you famous. I pray for opportunities to testify of your love. I pray for opportunities to testify of your faithfulness. Would you bring me in close proximity with the person I need to speak with? Would you bring me and remind me the person I need to send a WhatsApp message to? The person I need to send a text message to? The person I need to put a call through to? The person I need to write a letter to? Oh, the post I need to put up on social media this week. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Our Father, we give you praise. We thank you because you are light. And we pray, Lord, that we carry your light in this week. We ask, Father Lord, that our lives would continually reflect your glory. And that through us, people will come to know you. As we live our lives excellently, as we journey with you, we receive opportunities to be witnesses this week. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, because we know that you have begun a good work in the lives of everyone that we have presented before you, Lord. And we embrace this call, this urgent call to partner with you and to join you where you are working in our generation. Because it is your desire that men be saved. So, Lord, we surrender our lives again as ambassadors and as ministers of reconciliation. And we pray, Lord, that you would embolden us by your spirit. You would fill us with strength. You will grant us utterance. And as we open our mouths, Lord, you will fill them with words. That our tongue will be made the pen of a ready writer. In the name of the Lord Jesus, boldly declaring your love, boldly declaring your grace, boldly testifying of your faithfulness. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we silence every negative voice speaking and telling us that we're not enough or that we are not worthy. And we declare, Lord, that we journey in your truth, knowing that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And as such, we engage our world from that position of authority. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church says, Amen, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah. Quickly before I go, I just want to give someone here an opportunity. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. If you're here this morning 
and you feel like, well, God, this, this is kind of like a setup because, I mean, I was just coming to just, just trying to come back to church, trying to find my feet. But God is calling you into a deeper walk with him. You've never even accepted him because you have been for, for a very long time confused about the knowledge of God and who he is. And, you know, you hear Christians say these things and it just feels very strange. May I invite you to try God in this season? May I please invite you with all eyes closed, all heads bowed. We're giving you the privacy of the moment that you would embrace him and receive his love. He loves you and you matter to him. Life, the enemy may have told you otherwise, but you matter to God and he's at work in your life. Would you surrender your heart to him this morning and invite him to take over? So if that is you, we have given you the privacy of the moment. This is between you and God. May I ask that you just lift up your hand and I will say a prayer with you. We're asking that you lift up your hand so that we can identify you and we can support you with resources as you go on this journey. Scripture says that God does not set the soul. He puts the solitary in families. Okay? And I know that God wants you as a part of his family. So with all eyes closed, all heads, but just indicate so that we can support you with resources and I will pray with you. You're lifting up your hand as a declaration. It's a, it's a declaration of faith that you're embracing God and all that is his. So would you say after me, dear Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I ask that you come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. I surrender to you and I receive your forgiveness. Fill me with your spirit. Make my life whole. Let my, my life have meaning and grant me the grace to walk with you. Hold my hand and as I journey through life, go with me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for each and every person that has responded to your call this morning. We commit them into your hands, Father. We ask that you will keep them. We ask that you would preserve them in love. We ask that you would surround them with your light and your presence. Father, we thank you for support systems that would arise for your children and journey with them. We thank you for godly friends that will come their way to begin to prod them on this journey of faith. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will come upon their hearts. You would rest and breathe and brood over their lives in the name of Jesus. You will strengthen them and grant them the grace not to fail, to fall or to falter in the name of the Lord Jesus. We give you praise and we rejoice because we know that the host of heaven rejoices over these ones that have yielded to you. Can the church put their hands together and just let's celebrate each and every person that has responded to God this morning. God bless you. We love you. We're excited that you have chosen to do life with us. Welcome home. Welcome home. God bless you. God keep you. And to everyone, thank you for being in service today. God bless you. Have a truly prosperous week in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.